Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. If you have your Bible, go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 27. Acts chapter number 27. I was, uh, had a song on my heart this week, and no, I'm not going to sing before anybody thinks that, because ain't, that ain't happening. Um, Lord, Lord knows we don't need that. Y'all turn the live feed off quicker than I said the first word. Um, but uh, the song was on my heart this week, or this morning, throughout the day today, and I've listened to it several times. And uh, I just want to mention it tonight. I wasn't going to, but uh, I just want to mention it tonight. If you ain't heard the song, I Made It Mine, you're missing it. I, I don't even know who sings it, but I Made It Mine. It was a day, it talks about how a, how, how a man made it to, he was at the gates of heaven, and he was wondering how he was going to make it in, and how he was, uh, how he, he, who he was was not worthy enough to walk into heaven, and he saw, uh, um, uh, he was, actually I'm talking about a different song, I'm thinking of one that had a grandpa, I'm sorry, he had a grandpa that was a preacher, and uh, he, he was talking about his grandpa, and, and how his grandpa preached about Jesus his whole life, and, and, he, and, and, he, um, and, and, he, and he talked about how uh, that, that, the religion that his grandpa had, he got it. He said, I made it mine. And if you've not listened to that, you should listen to it. It is a blessing, and it blessed me today. I'm thankful there's a day in my life where I, I quit living on mom and daddy's religion. I quit living on grandpa's religion and got my own and got what God put in my heart, and I'm thankful for that. But if you have your Bibles, um, I, did, I did say Sunday I was going to encourage you to stand, but I'm not tonight because uh, I'm going to read an entire chapter of chapter number 27, and I struggle with reading. It's 44 verses, and... Sometimes you just look at the Lord and say, Lord, why do you want me to read this much? Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, the Lord knows what I had to help me here. And uh, let's pray to God to help us. So if you've got your Bibles, Acts chapter number 27, and uh, we'll try to make our way through this chapter just because you, really you really need to read all the book of Acts to really understand where we're at. Um, but um, if I can read the whole chapter to it, it really puts you in place uh, for where we exactly are at. And the Bible says, 20, chapter number 27, And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, uh, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners under one named Julius and the centurion of Augustus, band, uh, uh, a centurion of, August, of an Augustus band, and entering into a ship of, yeah, that guy, uh, we launched meeting to sail by the coast of Asia, uh, one, and then there's a few other names there, into Mesopotamia, or, or to uh, Macedonian and to Thessalonica, being with us. And the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius uh, courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go into his friend's to refresh himself. Now, remember, Paul is under arrest right here as I'm reading this. I meant to say that when I started. Paul is under arrest. So remember that. Uh, chapter, uh, verse number 4 says this, And when he had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus, because the winds was contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea of Sicily and uh, uh, Papela, and came to Myra, the city of uh, Lycia, and there was a centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing unto Italy, and he put us therein. And when we had sailed slowly many days, and uh, a succors were come over against Senatus, uh, and the wind not uh, suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salmon, and, har and hardly passing it came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was the city of Lycia. And when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage shall be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading of the ship and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master 
and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the, the haven was not uh, combinatious uh, to the winner it, uh, went to winter it, the more part advised to the part thence also, if by any means they might attain to uh, a fence, and there into winter, which is a haven of Crete, and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that, the, that they had obtained their purpose, losing thence, they called, or they sailed close by Crete. But not long after there arose against it a, tem- a tempestuous wind called a, either a Euryclidon or a Eurycladon. Uh, and when the ship was caught and, cu- and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a, a, a certain island, which is called Claudia, we, we, had, uh, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship, and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, uh, strike sail, and so were driven. And we, being exceedingly tossed with the tempest, and the next day that lightened the ship, the third day we cast out our own hands the tackling, we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and, so, uh, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me, and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained the harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. But there stood by me this night the angel of the Lord, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me, howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. But when the the fourteenth night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adra, about midnight, the shipmen deemed that the drew uh, near to that they drew near to some country, and sounded and found it twenty fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it fifteen fathoms. Then, fearing that lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea under color as though they uh, under cover as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers except these abide in the ship ye cannot be saved then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off and while the day was coming on paul besought them all to take me saying this day is the 14th day that ye have tarried and continued fasting having taken nothing wherefore i pray you to take some meat for this is for your health, for there shall not a hair fall from thy head of any, uh, of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God to, uh, in, in presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then were they all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. And we were in all, uh, we were, and we were in all, in, and we were in all in the ship, two hundred three score and sixteen souls. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. And when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore, and in, in, the, in the which they were minded, if it were possible, to thrust in the ship. 
And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea <clears throat> and loosed the rubber bands and hoisted up the mainsail to the, to the wind and, and made toward shore. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the forepart struck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves, and the soldiers' counsel was, was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which, would, which could swim uh, should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on broads and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Jesus, Lord, I thank you for what you do for us, Lord. God, I thank you, Lord, for your word, God. And God, I apologize that I, stu- that I struggled through the words, God, that, uh, I, that, that's in this book, God. Sometimes the names get me, God, and I just want to say I'm sorry, God, that I didn't know the words, God. And I just pray, God, that you'll bless our feeble efforts tonight, God. And God, I pray, God, you'll anoint us, God, with that anointing from on high, God. Hide us behind the old cross, God. God, I pray, God, that we won't be seen, God, tonight. God, I just pray, God, that your glory will be seen. And God, that somebody will get help tonight, God. And we'll be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And uh, I want to preach a message tonight entitled, I just want to help you tonight. I don't want to give you nothing new, uh, but I do want to help you tonight. And, uh, but I do want to preach a message entitled this, When God Sends a Little Creek for a Big Old Ship. When God sends a little creek for a big old ship. And uh, we're going to get into this and talk about this. But I got to thinking about shipwrecks. I got to thinking about uh, times in, 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 where shipwrecks had happened. And, and, of course, when we think of shipwrecks, my mind, I don't know if anybody else's go there, but mine goes to the Titanic. Uh, it's one of my favorite uh, shipwrecks to study. And how crazy them people were to get on that boat. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy to get on that boat. If anybody said that God, even God can't sink a boat, just don't get on it. All right, you're going to die. It's just, it's just, it's going to happen. But... I got to thinking about some, and, and, and I found some from, from stories of some first-hand accounts of a shipwreck. Listen to this one. Time was endless. This is a quote. Time was endless. Panic was amplifying. Fear and confusion was overwhelming. This is, remembers Andrea Davis, one of the 4,229 people aboard the Costa Cornorida, I don't know how you pronounce cruise ship, in January 13th of 2012 when it crashed into the rocks off the Tunskin Islands of Gileo, killing 32 people. Uh, I could imagine the fear that took place on the time that they were supposed to be excited, but they were shipwrecked. Then I think about this one. Corporal Edgar Harrell was a Marine, a 20-year-old kid who finished his watch on the USS Indianapolis at midnight on July 29, 1945. It was barely hot. Uh, um, it was unbear- unbearably hot uh, 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 down below where his bed was. And he got permission to make a pallet on deck right under the barrels of the number one forward turret. Harold had just dozed off. And then a few minutes into July 30th, the world exploded. The USS Indianapolis with 1,196 soldiers and Marines aboard was hit by two of six torpedoes fired by a Japanese submarine. The 610-foot-long heavy cruiser was chopped into three sections, all of which was sinking. Metal grounding and twisting, water churned and rose, and men scrambled and screamed. Three-quarters of the crew would die in the disaster. Some of his words when he came back, uh, they quoted him in saying this, on the first night, we had sharks. That was some of the words he said. Because I could imagine what it was like to be shipwrecked. I could imagine what it was like for Paul in this time 
uh, to be in the storm of his life and to be, uh, and to be just, just, just on the verge of being shipwrecked and, and facing a storm. And I couldn't help but think, as I was reading over this passage of Scripture one more time, that this world that we live in, you know, a lot of us today are probably living in some storms. There's probably a few of us living in some of the darkest storms of our life. There's probably some of us that when they look at our life and, and we look at ourselves in the mirror when there's nobody else looking around, looking at us, and we look at ourselves, we almost look shipwrecked. We almost look like we're ready to throw in a towel and quit and give up. But I just want to be a encouragement tonight. So let's get into this and see what the Lord has for us. Um, let's first of all, look at, let's look at that storm that we had there. Uh, a lot of people pronounce it a Eurocladon or a Eurocladon. Uh, and I love weather, so I'm not going to nerd out too much on this, but a Eurocladon or a Eurocladon, and, and, and if you want to know what the weather people call it, it's a Eurocladon. Uh, just just, uh, just throw that out there. Uh, I don't know if that's pronounced how you pronounce it, but weather guys call it Eurocladon. And these storms are modern today. We actually had one uh, just this past year in 2021. I believe it was in November, October, actually it wasn't November, I think it was October, uh, they had one, and, and these storms, in, in, and to us, they would not seem that big because we're so used to seeing big storms, and, and we're so used, they're usually about the strength of a Category 1 hurricane uh, for us, except for they're completely different. They, they, they turn in the opposite directions of our hurricanes. They travel completely against the jet stream, where ours tra or they travel with the jet stream, where ours travel against the jet stream, and so they're completely different. But here's the main thing about it is that this storm was powerful. This storm would have ripped any boat in that day in two. There is nothing that Paul could have done different. There's nothing that the centurion could have done different. They'd done everything that they could to keep that ship in two. But his ship was destroyed during all this. The, the, the very thing that was keeping him alive was destroyed on this. And Paul... Um, and Paul was the one who was the center focus of all this. So let's take a look at this situation. Two weeks had passed and the storm showed no sign of weakening. No one had seen the sun, the moon, or the stars for many days. Since ancient soldiers navigated by the heavens, this meant that they had no idea where they were. The ship was being driven about at the mercy of the wind. All hope of survival was gone. With all human hope is gone. That's a strange stage for us to be on. When all human hope is gone, that's usually when God likes to work. When all of our hope and all of our backs against the wall, there's a lot of times that's when God wants to work in our life. Have you ever noticed how often God does this? Many times that when, God, when man's at their breaking point, God intervenes. God promised an elderly couple in our Bible that they would have a son and that then they waited 25 years and to make this certain that this would be a miracle. But the child Isaac was born just as God said. God put Israel between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army so that they appeared to be no way or out. Only then did God part the sea so that the Israelites passed through on dry ground. God instructed Gideon to reduce his warriors from 32,000 to 300 men and then ordered him to wage war against the Midianites uh, who were in numerous as the sand of the seashore. Needless to say, God gave Gideon the victory. King Hezekiah in the city of Jerusalem was surrounded by the Assyrian army. They were all hopeless and outnumbered but the angel of the Lord struck down 185,000 Assyrians in one night and thus the army went drew and went home. God loves impossible situations because when he does the impossible, no man can lay victory. No man can claim victory of his glory when it only can be described by God. So let's take a look at this situation, that this impossible situation. We see number one, the impossible circumstance. We see number one, the impossible 
circumstance. Paul, uh, uh, Paul right here is, is in a situation where he has no control. He's in a situation where his back is against the wall. He's in a situation where most men would throw in the towel and give up. But Paul steps up with the most calmness that we've ever seen. When Paul steps in, he's got so calm when he sees these words. He said, men... You know what? We're going to see some troubles on this trip. Men, we're going to see some, uh, probably some, we're going to see some loss in this. And then we're going to see some physical loss. But uh, we're going to also see some, uh, uh, some, some uh, personal loss. As in, personal items are going to be lost in all of this. And, and Paul has his back against the wall, but he steps out with the utmost calmness. Paul had, had the word, and I, can, I, can I tell you why he stepped out with that much confidence? Because he had a word from the Lord. He had a word from the Lord. The Bible says right there in verse number, uh, let me flip over here, verse number 23. He said, For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. That's what God is tonight. So I want to tell you tonight, church, if you're facing that storm in your life, you feel like your back's against the wall, you're ready to throw in a towel and give up. Can I just say something? You have the Lord on your side. God is by your side. He is with you. He is waiting on you. He has got His hand cuffed behind his ear, waiting on your prayer for him to step in and intervene in your impossible circumstance. Paul had that, com that calmness because he had a word from the Lord. Look right here, I see the condition of Paul. Take a look at the condition of Paul. His current condition, Paul was a prisoner on this boat. Uh, there are things that bound us in this world. You know, we're a prisoner to this world. I think we can put ourselves in Paul's position right here. Paul, at this point, was probably bound by chains. Paul was probably tied. You won't just let prisoners run free on the ship. He's probably tied down and bandaged down. I want to look at some things that Paul done while he was bound. He drove a boat. He repaired a boat. He witnessed to a king. He prophesied that the boat would be destroyed, but no one would die. He stood with the angel of the Lord. He had faith. He saved men's lives all while he was bound. Think about this right here. Paul's current condition was not his conclusion. Paul's current condition was not his collusion. Can I tell you something, child of God, tonight? If you are a child of God, your current condition is not your conclusion. Where you're at right now in your life, this storm that you're in, it is not the conclusion. It is not what God has in plan. Can I tell you what? If God takes you out of this world, if God takes you out of this world, can I tell you, you got heaven to gain and hell to shun tonight. You got heaven to gain and hell to shun. I think about my mama a lot. She's facing one of the darkest storms of her life right now. She's facing one of the times where she don't know what's around the next corner. But you know what? Every time I see her, there's, there's usually a smile on her face. Yes, she's hurting. Yes, she's down and, and disappointed sometimes. But there, because her hope is not in this world, her hope is not in man. Her hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where my hope is tonight. You know what? When we lost that baby last year, my hope was not in some doctor to change things. My hope was in the Lord to change things. I didn't go to, I didn't turn to alcohol. I didn't turn to drugs. I turned to Jesus Christ. That's where we got to get to tonight. When you're backs against the wall. There's only one you can turn to, and his name is Jesus tonight. That's where you need to turn to. Think about this right here. In your impossible situation, let me tell you what, there's a God in heaven. There's a God in heaven tonight. Daniel knew about it during a time of interpretation. Daniel needed God to interpret, the, uh, to interpret a dream. And right when Daniel needed him the most, God showed up in a time of interpretation. I think he was there during times of devastation. 
I think about when we have losses in our life, God is there. God has never left us. He's never turned his back on us, not one time. God was there during times of devastation. I thank God being there during times of annihilation. I think of when the Israelites were standing there with their backs against the Red Sea, facing the Egyptian army with nowhere to go. One way they looked, there's a rock. The other way they looked, there's a rock. You can study it out. They were stuck between a rock and a hard place. And where they had nowhere to go, they were facing annihilation. But there was a God in heaven that parted the Red Sea and they walked through on dry ground. That was the God they served to that then. And that's the God that I serve tonight. That because there's a God during a time of annihilation and then there's a God in heaven during a time of isolation. I think of John when he was out on the island of Patmos. There was one man there, there was one man that gave him the peace that passeth all understanding. There was a friend that stood up with him that stick it closer than a brother. And that was none other than Jesus Christ himself. We see the possible, the impossible circumstance. Paul was facing an impossible circumstance. But then we see here Paul was facing the impossible consideration. Verse number 39, the Bible says this. And when, it was dry, and when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore. Now, if I'd have been Paul during this time, and I was looking for a safe passage, I want to see a port. I mean, that'd been me. If I was a centurion, I wanted to see a port city. I want to see some, a little tugboat coming out there. I remember when I was on a cruise and, and that little tugboat would come up and guide us into shore, would tell us where to go. That's what you wanted to look for. You knew that there's no longer this deep water that I measured at one point being five miles deep. And I was on a boat on top of that. I didn't understand it, but it was kind of wild. But we was looking for that tugboat to pull us in. And Paul, I can imagine when he's praying and asking God to do something big, God send me a, tug, a tugboat. That's what we want. But what God sent him? A little creek. I think a lot of times our expectation of what God gives us is not this big picture of way out of our storm. You know what I wanted when I, when I, was, when I was sitting on our bed while uh, my wife sat in another room and was miscarrying our baby? I wanted a big picture of how we get through this and to the other side. Now, when, with mama with cancer, I struggle with this because uh, there is no right answer. There is no which way do we turn with cancer. There is no uh, which way to go. It's we just got to try this for a little while, and then we got to try this for a little while, and then we got to try this and hope it works. And, and that's kind of where we're at. You know what? I want that big picture to show me where it goes. You know what? There may not be a big picture, but I can promise you there's a little creek. There might not be this big opening that's going to show us the way out of our storm. There's not going to be this big sign that God's going to hold up a billboard and say, this is your way out. This is the way out. But can I tell you, there's a little creek somewhere. And you know what? I can find that little creek through the Word of God. I can go over there and find where other men of God had found help in their darkest hour. I can go over there and know that if God can help them, He said He's the same yesterday and today and forevermore He changeth not. If He's the same God then, He's the same God today. And I can look and I can find that little creek. You need to look for your little creek tonight. Quit looking for a big sign. Quit traveling down the interstate looking for a billboard. Just find your little creek that God has showed you to get out of. Sometimes, here's what our problem is in our situations, is our perspective. Is our perspective. If Miss Stephanie could, she probably could, but they don't nobody need to see it. Her zoom this camera in on just me. You know, if you, she zoomed that camera in and she just focused on just the pulpit, you know, the, you, Colt could be dancing on the platform and you would never know it. Miss Stephanie could come over here and do a cartwheel. You would never know it because your focus is right here, right here. And so many times in our storm, we get the focus of how big our storm is when we need to realize how big our God is. 
Can I just tell you something? I was, I was looking at, I, I love weather. I've told you this hundreds and thousands of times. One of my favorite things to study is hurricanes. I love to watch a hurricane. And I noticed something about how big a hurricane can get in our perspective. In our perspective of a hurricane, it can get real big. I've I, I, I seen one one time, and uh, I, I'm trying to remember. I want to say it was Hurricane Florence, the one that sat on our, on our coast and just churned. You know, that storm was affecting Maine all the way to Florida all at the same time. That's how, how big that storm was. I've seen some storms that never hit landfall that made it to Category 5 strength, and they take up most of the Atlantic. And that looks pretty big. Last time I checked, if I go jump in the Atlantic Ocean, the Atlantic Ocean ain't going to know I'm there. I ain't going to splash out the water of the Atlantic Ocean. It's big. But can I tell you how big our God is? Uh, I, there was a few years ago, uh, there was a few years ago, there was a, they sent a drone out in outer space. And it got as far as it could go. And when it got so far, it turned around and took a snapshot of Earth. And I'm here to tell you how they figured out which star we was, I'll never know. But it was a tiny little bitty speck. And everywhere that camera spanned right before that drone self-destructed, it looked the same. And how big the space is. You know that when light, there's some stars that we see, that the light that we're looking at is sometimes like eight minutes old. I read one time. It's like eight minutes old. Think about, the, you go over and flip a light on, that light comes on, and mm, the room's lit. If you paid the power bill, the room's lit. Real quick, it lights up the, the speed of light. And when they travel through space, and they think about how fast light travels, and it takes eight minutes for light to travel to earth, that's a long ways off. Can I just tell you now, when you look at the perspective that God has, and you look at that big old storm that I just talked about, and how it took up most of the Atlantic, it's just a little bitty speck on a speck. It's just a little bitty speck on a speck. Can I just tell you, we serve a big God tonight. We need to realize that we got this perception of that our storm is so big, but we got to realize how big our God is. We got to realize how big our God is. I see in this impossible consideration, I see the confused crew. It was a crazy thought for them to put this big old boat in that little bitty creek. It was an impossible thought. How are we going to get said boat in said creek? It's an impossible, it is an impossible consideration. The crew was confused. But can I tell you one thing else about this crew? This crew was committed. Look right here in verse, um, I wrote it right here. Hang on, verse number, uh, uh, let me find it right here. In verse, verse number 40. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea. Can I tell you what they done? They said, I'm going to trust the man of God. I'm going to trust that this God that he serves is so big that he can control the storm that we're on. Uh, they were a confused crew, but they were a committed crew. Uh, they were committed to the task at hand. Can I tell you what you need to do? Just commit yourself to the Lord. If your back's against the wall, you're facing the storm of your life, commit yourself to the Lord and let the Lord show you great and mighty things which you know not. Let God do it. And then lastly, I see, I see one, the impossible circumstance. I see the impossible consideration. But can I just tell you about somebody real quick, and I'll be done. The immovable captain. <laughs> there was somebody piloting that boat that night. You say, yeah, Paul was probably a good captain. 
Oh, no, Paul didn't have a control of that boat that night. Yeah, that centurion, for him to get to the rank of the centurion, he probably sailed many times across the Mediterranean Sea. No, he wasn't a captain of that boat that night. But can I tell you this right here? The captain of that boat that night was none other than Jesus Christ himself. The Lord God Almighty left the ivory palaces of heaven for just a little while and let his Holy Spirit have a presence over that boat. And can I tell you tonight, wherever you're at tonight, God is waiting for you to call on him and his Holy Spirit will just take a little time where he sees past time, present time, future time all at the same time. He'll take a little time off his effort and he'll come down and sit with you tonight if you'll just let him. If you'll just let him because he is an immovable captain. That immovable captain, you know what? He got on that boat. I believe he controlled that boat. I believe he guided that boat. And that boat, yes, that boat got destroyed. Can I tell you something? This whole boat that I've got right here, it may get feeble, it may get weak. God, uh, this world may even destroy this whole, this whole boat. And what I'm talking about is my flesh. You know what? May, uh, this whole flesh right here may get sick one day. This whole flesh may see cancer one day. I don't know what God has in store for me. But I know that I got a captain of this boat. That he is bigger than any cancer. He's bigger than any disease. He's bigger than anything that this world has to throw at me. He is the immovable captain. The reason that boat stood still was because God had his hand on it. Because God had his hand on it. And then finally we see they fell on all, fell in broken pieces. Uh, there was some, what does it say right here? It says, in the rest, some on broken pieces and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they all escaped, all safe to land. Can I tell you tonight, you may be facing an impossible circumstance. Some of the, some of the situations you may be in may be an impossible consideration. But you've got an immovable captain. And he said, I shall not be upon this rock. He said, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And that's the Lord tonight. So I just want to tell you tonight, I just want to encourage you that there is a God in heaven tonight that is on your side. He, he, he's not hiding on a throne, sitting up uh, with, with his feet propped up tonight, no. He's sitting there with his hand cuffed behind his ear waiting on you to call on him. That's the Lord tonight. So just think about this. There's a little creek for you out there somewhere. God's got a little creek for you. You just need to find it.